0: bitcoin tech talk issue number 238 the future is bitcoin only bitcoin dominance is below 50 percent there are new DeFi and nft projects that are getting tons of publicity people are throwing money at all coins like doge and making tons of money how is it then that i'm writing about how the future is bitcoin only yes it's true alt season is here there's been a non-stop flood of new shiny coins to gamble on and many more people bragging about how they're now geniuses because they made some money trading. The altcoin market is heating up and the VCs who funded this stuff are thrilled. Yet, comparing this season to the last one, it's clear that the narrative has changed. Back in 2017, there were a ton of coins claiming to be the next Bitcoin. Back in 2017, every conference was full of sponsors from random altcoins. Back in 2017, there were actually people trying to defend these altcoins on a technical level. None of these things are happening anymore. Nearly everyone has conceded the digital gold narrative to Bitcoin. Altcoins have given up even trying to give technical justifications. Instead, the altcoin space has evolved to be pure marketing. They learned from the last cycle that the technical underpinnings don't matter. Marketing, particularly in the form of rewarding early adopters, And getting in front of lots of eyes that can't evaluate these products has been their strategy. In other words, the hype scammers are not even pretending anymore. All coins have become pure marketing plays with little to no intellectual backing. And this is why I say that the future is Bitcoin only. Marketing works short term, but is not sufficient long term. The long term success relies on real reasons, and on these altcoins are lacking. In other words, altcoins don't have a future because they don't care about anything but short-term marketing. Contrast this to Bitcoin. Writers are producing deep thought pieces about the current monetary political economic system as Bitcoin sheds light on its seedy underpinnings. There's deep, long-term change in the people that hold Bitcoin who are learning low time preference habits. We're seeing real reform in how people treat their finances. In other words, Bitcoin is producing real, long-lasting change. Ultimately, this is what makes a movement long-lasting. Marketing only works long-term if it's true, and marketing lies will be revealed as such eventually. Bitcoin has the benefit of having the truth of long-term utility on its side. All coins, on the other hand, have done little in the way of keeping its promises, which is why they will fail. I can only be sustained for so long without underlying truth. And this is why the future is Bitcoin only. All right. So I wrote this piece um, sort of after a conversation I had with somebody about, you know, NFTs and so on. Um, I did tweet out today something that came out of that conversation, which I will read for you right now. NFTs and DeFi products sound complicated because they have to justify having a token or printing their own money. Much like being at a poker table, if you don't know who the sucker is, it's most likely you. Um, and that's that's true. That's something that we have to think deeply about. And um, you know, there, there's a lot of people that think that they're making money and you know, calling Bitcoiners like stupid for not investing in altcoins and so on. I'm just telling you, wait, like long term, most of this stuff, all of the, you know, crap that's coming in and out, all the people that are investing in the newest, hottest thing, they're going to get wrecked. And you're not um, holding Bitcoin is going to be is going to show itself the wiser choice in a couple of years time when we're inevitably in another bear market. Alright, Bitcoin. The latest release of Bitcoin Core includes taproot speedy trial activation. Unfortunately, the binaries haven't been released in time for the difficulty adjustment period that started the activation window on Saturday. But here's where you can track which blocks are signaling for taproot. SlushPool became the first miner to mine a taproot signaling block. There have already been too many blocks that didn't signal readiness this adjustment period. So we'll have to wait for the difficulty adjustment period starting May 13th or 14th to see if that reaches the 90% threshold. That puts the earliest possible taproot activation at around Thanksgiving. So just to review, taproot uh, activation requires 90% of blocks to signal within a 2016 block difficulty adjustment period. A new one started on Saturday, but the binaries were not out, uh, which tells me that a, a lot of these miners... Aren't running the bi- uh, are just running the binary and not compiling their own Bitcoin D. Um, SlushPool seems to have done that over the weekend, and they are running uh, and signaling for TACBrute. um, But because of that, uh, the earliest possible activation date would have been six months after about May 14th, which would have put it around mid- mid-November. Uh, but that is no longer the case. It's going to be towards the end of May. Um, And that will mean that the activation will happen around the end of November, which is traditionally around Thanksgiving. So, um, you know, Thanksgiving is going to be pretty crazy. And also Bitcoin 2021, there's usually a conference pump before a major Bitcoin conference. It's the biggest one we've ever had. Um, And Taproot will have activated. This is looking like a convergence of a lot of different things that will result in some serious pumping are so it seems blockstream has released a new satellite product this is much simpler this is a much simpler one than prior ones and that it's a single piece of hardware it will be possible to create and sign a valid transaction from cold storage with this generally cold storage options require some level of interactivity from which this could take out a step an ideal bitcoin citadel will have a faraday cage whose only input is the signal from this satellite so Really interesting product. If you're not aware of Blockstream Satellite, essentially what it allows you to do is receive the Bitcoin blockchain via satellite feed. Uh, now, it's receive, I, I think you can also do uplink, but mostly it's it's to receive transactions. And if you have a cold storage setup, being able to run a full node in that cold storage setup is huge because now you don't have to, uh, you, you know the UTXO set and you can just... Um, you know, sign uh, wherever you want the Bitcoins to go and you can take out that step of interactivity. Generally, what you had to do before was to connect to the Internet, um, create the transaction, go to cold storage, get it signed, and then put it back on the Internet. You can skip that first step by just having this Blockstream satellite, which I think it will be used for going forward. BTC Pay has finally disclosed the software vulnerabilities that were reported by Tesla and patched soon after. There's no less than six different CVE reports, the most serious of which is the account takeover vulnerability. Major props to the Tesla engineers who discovered these vulnerabilities and reported them in a responsible manner. My guess is that working on autonomous vehicles makes them particularly sensitive to security vulnerabilities, and that's what what got them to find and report these. So... Uh, If you're not aware, Tesla tried out BTC Pay. I don't think they're using BTC Pay necessarily and reported these six bugs. I I thought it was like one or two. Um, The fact that it was six is kind of astounding. Uh, But their engineers are clearly really good. And if you have cars that are essentially uh, connected to the Internet, you have to make sure that you have some serious security around it so that somebody doesn't take over that car and crash it into something or something like that. That's why... I'm guessing these Tesla engineers were so good at finding these vulnerabilities. Uh, but yeah, glad to get them to um, help secure BTC Pay. Perhaps Peter Smith has been playing a joke on us all along. He promised that the wallet responsible for pretty much all the pay to pubkey hash spends on Bitcoin would upgrade to SegWit by the end of April. It's now May, and the wallet is still all pay to pubkey hash. They continue to fill around 30% of the blocks with these inefficient transactions, which could hold a decent chunk more if they would upgrade. Unfortunately, they've been one of those companies that raise lots of money during bull markets and then get lazy during bear markets. So just to review, blockchain.info, as they were known back then, started the first sort of online Bitcoin wallet uh, back in 2012. Um, and they, they started as pay to key hash because that's what existed at the time. They, uh, Peter Smith promised during like the Segwit Wars in 2017 that it was just around the corner. Um, they haven't implemented it four years later. He promised earlier in April that uh, they would implement it, it strangely on April 1st. So people thought it was a joke, but he assured people it wasn't a joke. Um, and then he said it would be there by the end of April. It's now May. It still hasn't been there. Um, If they did upgrade, um, you know, the blocks would probably be closer to 2 megabytes instead of like 1.5 as they are now. So there would be a decent chunk more uh, transactions. Fees would probably be a little lower and so on. Um, I did have a blockchain.com engineer um, uh, reply to my newsletter tweet saying that the SegWit stuff is merged into their github repository but it clearly hasn't been deployed so you know we'll see we'll see but uh, i i see them as sort of like uh you know not a very good actor in this space um they don't really seem to care about the infrastructure that much and they they do what they do um they're very good at raising money at peak valuations uh like they did in 2013 and 2017 um and you know i don't know They, they they might be a zombie company already who knows Alright, economics engineering etc alex Svetsky argues that bitcoin is the way to start starving the beast that we call the state sound money is one of the few real weapons we have against state encroachment and he makes the argument that collectivism in all its forms is the problem the state ends up making promises it can't keep such as the equality of outcome which results in a horribly unjust system worth reading in full so Great piece by Alex Svetsky. It makes sort of the moral argument for Bitcoin in a slightly different way, as, uh, you know, he and I have talked about on his podcast. Um, but yeah, collectivism is the problem and Bitcoin is our weapon against it. Alex Gladstein has the first of three wonderful long reads from Bitcoin magazine. His piece is on the Petrodollar and how it has influenced U.S. foreign policy since its inception almost 50 years ago. The petrodollar is neglected to a criminal degree by the mainstream media, and this piece lays out how and why it's come into existence. Economically, the petrodollar is the reason why Nixon was able to suspend gold convertibility and remain the world's reserve currency, so it should be a topic of intense study. I realized in reading this piece that Bitcoin is starting to become the light of truth, showing the deceptions of history, such as hiding the petrodollar's influence. So fantastic piece by alex glassine um you know talking about the petrodollar and how it probably was a catalyst for the war in iraq and so on so really really good stuff uh encourage you to read it if you want to learn a little bit more about how the world really works instead of how it's presented to us in the media pete rizzo has written another bitcoin history piece this time on how satoshi disappeared and handed over the lead maintainer role to gavin and the story is engaging and interesting and illuminates the character of Satoshi with direct evidence. The early chaos of Bitcoin in the latter half of 2010 and early 2011 was captured very well, and I learned a few things, not just about Satoshi, but Gavin, Gavin through the piece. Um, so among other things, apparently Gavin changed his name to Gavin Andreessen. He was apparently like Gavin Bell or something beforehand. Really curious about that particular thread. Uh, but yeah, the, the dynamics and sort of what was happening there, including like the old, old, old OG people like Amir Taki are all in there. Uh, Jeff Garzik's in there. Really interesting read. Uh, shed a light on, you know, what these people were doing, how they operated and so on. Glass Note is our third and final Bitcoin magazine piece, uh, which explores the on-chain Bitcoin metrics and what they say about macro patterns around Bitcoin. Much like stock-to-flow, the general macro pattern seems to be centered around the halvings, but the actual dynamics of new holders and liquidity are presented very well. The main thing I got out of it is that price and liquidity move together, and they're high in bull markets and low in bear markets. So when price is high, there's a lot of liquidity. When price is low, there's low liquidity. So they're sort of like very similar, and, uh, and they talk about how liquidity increases, 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 As more newcomers come in um, and it's the strongholders that accumulate in bear markets um, and that that makes all the sense in the world. Pierre Rochard is giving Mike Green fits in this written debate about Bitcoin and China. Mike Green has been pushing the China narrative for a while now and doesn't understand Bitcoin very well. But this is a very good conversation to read. As my experience on Clubhouse has validated, Bitcoin really needs better critics and fiat altcoins to get uh, and fiat altcoins get crushed in real debate. Um, And this is this is something that I'm recognizing more and more um, is that these people just don't have very good arguments. And in in any sort of real debate, it's completely obvious that they are out of their depth, Um, including Mike Green in this debate with Pierre Rochard. Some quick hits. Uh, it's a new section in my newsletter. Just uh, you know, stuff that I found interesting, but don't really want to comment on. Amin Kamel reasons about how Muslims should be treating Bitcoin. This goes into what's halal versus haram. Um, that's like good versus bad, basically. And uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not an expert in Muslim theology, but uh, but you know, if if you are, I totally recommend that you read that piece. BTC Times has published a list of banks that are friendly towards Bitcoiners, including ones from U.S. and Europe. Um, so if you are starting a Bitcoin business, um, these are some banks that you might want to reach out to and so on. Uh, the government seems more keen to find vulnerabilities in Bitcoin wallets. Uh, and yeah, the IRS wants uh, back doors to Bitcoin wallets. Surprise, surprise. So yeah, be, be careful with that. Another week, another company puts Bitcoin on their balance sheet and this is a company called Nexon, which I wasn't really that uh, familiar with but they're some sort of online gaming provider uh, of some uh, games or something like that Uh, so pretty exciting to see that Um, I am going to be at the Bitcoin 2021 conference June 4th and 5th and I will be at the Bitcoin Standard conference on August 12th to 14th in Mexico Um, And I am running programming blockchain my two day seminar right before both of those uh, um, conferences, Uh, and the Miami one will be I'll be raising the rates tomorrow on May fourth. So, um, yeah. uh, So, if you are interested, please apply. Uh, I also spoke to Marty Bent about oil and gas on my podcast. We talked about energy, the uniqueness of oil in that market, and how mining. Bitcoin makes, mining makes a lot of the processes more efficient, and we talked about the petrodollar and its role in the economy a little bit. I uh, recommend that podcast if you're interested in oil and gas and the petrodollar. I also read through last week's newsletter on Clubhouse, and I was on Tone show to talk about the Bitcoin ETF and the exchanges in Turkey. Um, I was interviewed by the Roads to Wealth podcast about the new book, and of course, my other two books are available. Um, I think Bitcoin Magazine has a store now where you can get any of the three books that I've written. So um, that is about it for this newsletter. Um, Let me see if there are any questions. It looks like there aren't really any. Um, but yeah, that that is a read through, and I will be posting this online anyway. Uh, all right, so maybe maybe there's one question we'll we'll see, or two questions. I am bringing both of you up. All right, uh, David, did you have a question? Yeah, I, that that was one of the interesting things of the piece. Um I, I didn't realize Satoshi was a tax so in the early days. We we sort of see him as this sort of uh, you know, benevolent coder that released everything and could do no wrong, uh, you know, from the vantage point of 2021, but back in 2010, 2011, um I think he he was a little bit more controversial and people were complaining about him and so on. And and such are sort of the um uh, the you know perils of leadership in that you you will get criticized no matter what you do um and you know satoshi perhaps that was one of the reasons why satoshi got out um you know like sort of reputation intact in a way um and whereas somebody like gavin who was pushed out like you know he hasn't maintained his reputation um neither has like jeff garzik and many other people so Yeah, interesting stuff. I I haven't listened to that podcast, but maybe at some point it's worth doing. Uh, Sean, did you have a question? yeah um so this is where the binary thing comes into play so uh the bitcoin core release was finalized i think uh earlier this week or earlier last week and um and at that point anyone can go and compile bitcoin d and run it and that would automatically signal for taproot and so on so it's it's fairly easy to do that um what uh, what we found out is that a lot of uh, miners don't do that. They don't compile their own binaries. In fact, they go and download the binary uh, that the Bitcoin Core developers sign. Um, that way, they know that they're in consensus, I guess. Uh, but basically, you can download it, uh, download the binary, check the SHA-256 and the signed message, and make sure that it's the same, and then you run it. That's generally how it, it works. Uh, as of Saturday, they hadn't released the binaries. I'm, I'm not sure if they've released them even still. Uh, but basically, once they release the binaries, then the miners take the binary and start running it on their servers. Um, so, you know, SlushPool, I think, uh, decided just to compile their own and start running it. Um, F2Pool might have done the same thing. Uh, but as soon as the binary is released, I think we'll see a lot more uh, miner signaling. And at that point, um, you know, we'll, we'll have a very good idea by May 13th, 14th, whether the next difficulty adjustment period will result in taproot um, actually being activated. And the actual activation happens six months after the signaling is, uh, you know, 90% or more signaling happens in a 2016 block period. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't worry. I, I was a little more worried uh, until I found out that the binaries hadn't been distributed. I, I always thought that the miners like make custom adjustments to the code and then compile their own. Uh, but that doesn't seem to be the case. It seems that they just download the binary. So, yeah, thanks for your question. All right. So anyway, thank you for uh, joining me. Um, I, I know I haven't been around Clubhouse too much, but hopefully I'll be on a little bit more uh, going forward. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Fiat Delenda S, this song is done.